Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
You are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's Biggest Trump Supporters. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Because, 
you know, the Democrats don't want to, you know, give in. They, they want to keep playing games. I mean, but at some point, at the same time, I feel like the Democrats will have to give in um, if, if, if Trump does not declare a state of emergency because the Democrats, let's face it, they badly want the government back, back open. They don't want to keep the government closed, and they know Trump is on offense. I mean, let's face, let's face it, guys. Um, I mean, that's just a fact. I'm going to play a couple clips, but let's say for today's show, uh, we have a big show. U.S. intelligence specialist, radical Islam expert, foreign policy analysis, political strategist, activist, here of Jihad Watch, and best-selling author Robert Spencer will be calling in. We also have attorney, lobbyist, Democratic state senator in Louisiana, and the author of the new book, Robert Mueller, Aaron Boy for the New World Order, John Milkovich, will be calling in. Well, we will be having scientists, geologists, political strategists, entrepreneur, climate change analysis, researcher, and best-selling author Greg Wrightstone will be calling in. And by the way, he's the guy that uh, debunked all of Al Gore's uh, documentary, uh, The Inconvenient Truth. So uh, this guy is very uh, well-known, and he's done a lot of great science. And, I mean, he'll tell you how it is. I mean, climate change is the biggest hoax. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I want to introduce right now um, oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Bet, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Dan Perkins, how are you, buddy? I'm fine, thank you. And yourself? Doing well. Good to have you here. And then we also have lobbyist, activist, and political strategist, uh, Josh Halavate on the line. How are you, buddy? Doing fantastic. How are you? Doing well, man. Good to have you here, as always. Uh, you're always you got you both are always fantastic. Uh, first of all, I want to get to play the opening clip. Uh, but Trump, it's been a week for Trump. It's been a week for the Republicans. It's been a week for our entire government. It's been a week for the Democrats. You name it. I mean, we're on day 20 now of the shutdown, um, and it doesn't really seem like like I said earlier. I mean, we're getting anywhere. I mean, it's pretty much at a a halt. It's at a stall right now. Um, I do want to play these clips, though, of yesterday of Trump uh, talking about uh, declaring the state of emergency. One for Mr. President, what do you say to those federal workers, uh, security guards, Secret Service agents, TSA agents, who are now going without pay? I think they have been terrific. These are terrific patriots. A lot of them agree with what I'm doing, and I hope we're going to have the situation worked out. But they want security in our country, and so do I. That's all we want. We want security. We want common sense. We want security in our country. Uh, When you look at what's going on, immigration just went to very high on your list. I saw even on your list. Uh, Immigration's very high on the list, but we're not talking about just immigration. And I would like, and I'll say it in front of some of our Democrat friends here, I would love to see a big immigration bill where we really take care of the situation. I know you want to. Everybody wants to. Who wouldn't want to? Right now we have a problem. We have to take care of this, and it's quicker and easier to do this individually. But we would like to see real immigration reform in this country, because we need it. And it could be a beautiful thing. And with all of the companies coming into our country, we have seven car companies now that are announcing or have announced just recently, and we have many car companies and other companies, as you know, they're flowing in. We have the best job numbers virtually that we've ever had for African-American, the best ever, Hispanic, Asian, the best ever, the best in 50 years in the overall number, and soon that's going to be beaten. So we have the best job numbers. We need people. We need great qualified people. We want them to come in. 
So I think it's a great time right now because of that. We need people, Rob. And I mean, in Ohio, you need workers. And I know you feel the same way. I know Chris, I mean, I'll speak for Chris, but everybody wants to see immigration reform. It, it just, it's overdue. And it's always been very political, and maybe this will turn out to be a blessing in disguise. But, John, I, I will tell you this. Uh, the people out there want something to happen at our southern border, whether it's human trafficking, whether it's drugs, whether it's criminals, whether it's MS-13. Uh, the folks behind me know all about MS-13 and how violent and vicious they are and where they come from. And they all come from the same place, and they all come in the same way. They come right across that border. And we've thrown thousands out. I would say thousands, right, fellas? I mean, literally MS-13, and you have a lot of it. I know that, Rich. Uh, we throw thousands out a year, and then they come back. And we move them all the way back to where they came from, all the way back. And they find a way to come back again. We need strong borders, and we need immigration reform. Beyond that, we need immigration reform. Okay, let's but, go. But, 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 but these people have to go without their paychecks. They're, they're, they're being, some are being forced to work without pay. Some have been furloughed. These are... They all get the money. They're all going to get the money, and I think they're going to be happy. And I will tell you, and I say it often, many of those people that you're talking about, so humanly the way you express it, but many of those <laughs> people that you talk about are on my side. I've had so many people... The beautiful thing is with social media, the world can write to you. And you take a look at social media. So many of those people are saying, it's very hard for me, it's very hard for my family, but Mr. President, you're doing the right thing. Get it done. I've had so many of them. They're patriots. They love our country. And they want to see it be done. Look, this is just common sense. They want to see it be done correctly. We need a barrier. We have to stop people from coming in the way they come in. And if we don't have it, you can never have border security unless you have a steel barrier, a concrete wall, you can call it whatever you want, but without it, you'll never have, you can have the greatest talent in the world, you will never, ever, in a million years, you will not have border security. can't happen. Mr. President, what's your current thinking on a national emergency? Why didn't you announce it last night, and when might because you? Because I think we might work a deal, and if we don't, I may go that route. I, I have the absolute right to do national emergency if I want. What's your threshold? Uh, my threshold will be if I can't make a deal with people that are unreasonable. What's your message to the Republicans who are now on Capitol Hill saying Oh, that? I think we have tremendous Republican support. I'll tell you what, I just spoke to a few of the people in the House. We have tremendous support. The Senate has been incredible. Mitch McConnell has been incredible. He said, if the President's not going to sign it, I'm not going to waste my time. And, I mean, Rob Portman's here, he can tell you, he's very strong on border security. Uh, we have tremendous support in the Senate. We have tremendous support in the House. And by the way, you know, they say, oh, is it true that somebody's, you know, a congressman, he broke away. Okay. Uh, yeah, every once in a while you're going to have that. But you know who else has that? The Democrats have that, too, because they have their people breaking away, too. You know why? Because they know you need border security, but you don't report that. But the fact is that there is tremendous support. I would know, without support, I would be the first one to know. I may be the last one, too, but there is tremendous support. Right now, if I did something that was foolish, like gave up on border security, the first ones that would hit me are my senators. They'd be angry at me. The second ones would be the House. 
And the third ones would be, frankly, my base and a lot of Republicans out there and a lot of Democrats that want to see border security. Okay. What else? Any questions? So, so why not sign the other bills, though, so some of these workers can get paid, the government You think I should do that? You, 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 no, no. Do you think I should do that, John? I mean, it's not for me. I mean, I watch your one-sided reporting. Do you think I should do that? Hey, John. No, seriously, John. Do you think I should just sign? Well, the, the argument No, no, tell me, tell me. John, do you think I should just sign? I, I, I'm saying that if you sign that, these workers can start getting paid. Uh, the government can So start you would do that if you were in my position, you'd do that? I, I'm not in your position. I'm asking you if you've got something you I'm asking you, would you do that if you were in my position? Because if you would do that, you should never be in this position. <laughs> because you'd never get anything done. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then, you guys, I want to play this quick clip. This followed that meeting yesterday with Trump uh, speaks with the Senate Republicans in the hallway to reporters. Uh, one five. I would say that we have a very, very unified party. Mitch has been fantastic. Everybody in that room was fantastic. Uh, there was no reason for me even to be there. I knew that before we went. But uh, the Republicans want border security. They want national security. They want to have a steel barrier or a wall of concrete. They don't care, but I'll use any term they want. Uh, we need a barrier to stop the human traffickers and the drug trade and to stop all of the big problems that come, including gangs. They don't come through your checkpoints. They come through areas where you have hundreds of miles without walls and without barriers or without strong fences. So uh, the Republican Party, I can say, and I just left an hour meeting. We had a great time, actually. There was no, there was no discussion about anything other than solidarity. We want national security and border security for our country. Mr. President, Mr. President. Yeah, let, let me just add for the President, ladies. First of all, thanks for coming up. And I think the President accurately characterized the discussion once. Uh, we're all behind the President. We the border security is extremely important to the country. We appreciate your leadership on Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. President, was there a concern about all this? Why not declare a national emergency? Well, I may do that at some point. If uh, Chuck and Nancy, who I'm meeting with, I believe, in a little while, uh, if they don't agree to the fact that our country is really got problems with crime, with drugs, with a lot of other things that come through our southern border. So much of it comes through the southern border. You look at heroin, 90% through the southern border. So much, so many problems. And if they can't get that through, or if they feel that politically, I don't know why it's good politically. You know, I don't care politically. I'm doing what's right for the country. But I'll tell you, it's a very bad political issue for the Democrats. That I can tell you. Mr. President, Mr. President. Did any Republicans today in that meeting tell you that they want you to pursue a different strategy, that they want you to reopen the government? Uh, we talked about, a couple talked about, you know, a couple uh, talked about strategy, but they're with us all the way. They're with us. Mr. President, what about the idea of... I mean, I just want, because you know, the fake gives the fake news, and I just want to tell you that the Republicans are totally unified. Now, if you would ask the same question to the Democrats, you let me know in some of those districts where I won or that are a little bit more towards sanity. Uh, you want them to run, say, we don't want to have border security? You've got plenty of Democrats that do not want to be in this battle. You have a lot of Democrats. 
The Republicans are unified. We want border security. We want safety for our country. And you know, for 25 years, they've been trying to do this. This has been passed. Chuck Schumer's raised his hand so many different times. I could give you 15 speeches that he made, but I don't think you'd really enjoy him that much. But I could give you 15 speeches. He talked about border security, but no different than me. Border security, that's all he talked about is border security. The only reason they're against it is because I won the presidency. And they think they can try and hurt us going into the presidency, but that's not gonna happen. And we don't give up because we, we're, doing, we're doing the right thing for our country, okay? Mr. President, you didn't hear anything You know why it's gone down? Because of good management, because of me and my people, because we've managed it well. But, but it is brutal. We have more people coming up. You have caravans. Nobody ever heard of a caravan. It's gone down, and we have kept it down because we're managing it well. But we can never do a great job unless we have a wall or a barrier. And I mean a real barrier, not a little barrier that doesn't work. And if you don't have that, you can have, but it's only down because we do a great job, and we work very hard at it. And I have incredible people, Border Patrol people, ICE, the military has helped. I called out the military. We needed help. And that's why it's gone down. Thank you, Mr. Well, there you have it. So, you know, it, it's been it's been quite the week, I'll tell you. I mean, this, this whole shutdown. Um, I do want to introduce our first guest, but I, I want to go to uh, Josh and then you, Dan, uh, just on your thoughts. Um, but, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I thought he did a, a good job the way he was addressing the media and addressing the questions. You know, he didn't really reveal a whole lot there. It was kind of just same old, same old, but – the important thing is uh, that I thought was interesting there was that he had, you know, McConnell there supporting him as well as, you know, he names off some other senators like Portman, who's uh, from Ohio. He's my senator. Uh, you know, he's making it very clear that the Senate is on his side and that he, he's basically what he's trying to do is push the envelope of this is the House Democrats that are holding this back in the government closed. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely right, and I do want to say something. You know, Pre President Trump has made it very clear that he's not going to cave. It's either he, he gets that border wall or, or the Democrats won't, aren't getting the government back open. So he can either declare a state of emergency or he can get it, you know, through the Democrats cooperating, or he can go to, obviously, you know um, – you know, there's there's all these ways. So he's going to get it built one way or the other. And what bothers me, and I was reading this and, and seeing this online everywhere, is the fact that people thought Mexico was going to give Trump a check indirectly for the wall, and on the left especially, the people on the left. And this just goes to show to me that they actually have no business in economic and common sense. Because if you really think about it, and you read, people read the new NAFTA revision deal, which is the U.S. Um, MCA deal, uh, 
it specifies how Mexico pays back the 80 uh, – it's about $80 billion they owe us in, tra- in trade deficit, $80 billion with a B, and the wall only costs $5 billion is what Trump's asking for. So, I mean, they, it pays for the wall itself. I mean, it's common economics if you look at all the numbers and what we're getting in return from this deal. So it's so ignorant and so uh, just, like, wrong and jaded for the whole mindset of the Democrats all along that Mexico is going to hand over a check. That's never how it was going to be, and I never thought it was going to be like that. I always knew it was going to be through some sort of economic trade deal or some deficit we were dealing with that we could uh, recover from and, you know, kind of put back together like, like Trump did. Um, so you really look at that and, you know, this, this is, this Trump absolutely has the right uh, to declare a state of emergency if he needs to. I, I'm glad he's sticking by, you know, uh, his decision. He's standing by his supporters. He's not backing down. He's not caving and he's going to do the right thing for this country. Uh, Dan, Dan, what are your thoughts? And I want to go to our, our first guest. Sure, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, Josh, are you still there? I sure am. Oh, I'm going to go by a the different way, let me, let me say let me say something real quick. Let's not forget that Trump made many attempts this week to try to meet with Nancy and Chuck. Nancy and Chuck, uh, but one of the meetings, I think, was the, the one yesterday. Trump walked out because they still don't want to give him the border wall. But if you ask me and the way Trump is handling this, he is so much on offense. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say to Josh, I want to, I want to go a little different direction. There's a, a there's discussion thing. about – pardon me? What did you say, Josh? I said my favorite thing. I, lo- I love when you go the oh. other direction. <laughs> what I want to say is that everybody's expecting that uh, – if Trump declares the emergency, that um, then he might agree to um, to to open the government and um, do it in such a way as to, even though he's not getting the wall funded by an appropriation from the Congress, he will open up the government. He's going to go a different direction. I think he is going to say to, say to the American people, I tried to have an honest and fair discussion with the leadership of the Democratic Party, and they preferred it to favor illegals over the American citizens. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep the government shut down until the September appropriations expire. And we'll shut the whole government down. And if he does that, if he says that, I suspect that the Democrats are going to have a serious problem. They're going to kill. So this, I mean, I, I, you know, when 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 somebody, when Nancy Pelosi says she wouldn't give him a dollar, she has backed herself into a corner. And I would say to you. If you look at her posture after the president's comment, uh, there's been lots of uh, discussion about her and Chuck, and I've said this before. I said, this is the best the Democrats could do to make their case with all these young Turks that have come in and all these people who are more 
who are seasoned, but they brought two old, ugly white people who looked like they were deer caught in a headlight to try and be super <laughs> persuasive about their position. And, and they didn't do it. They, they were terrible. They had no sincerity. They didn't know how to talk. They had terrible presence. Nancy's eyes were so big because she was stuck on the teleprompter, and Schumer looked like he should have been a mortician. I mean, it was just it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible performance. And the president, and, and we're thinking to and we're thinking to ourselves, this is what the Democratic leadership looks like. Good Lord, right. Jesus Christ! Right. And, and you know what? I, I do want to mention, you know, real quick, uh, to be to be correct here. This would be – there are currently 31 national emergencies right now. Trump's border emergency would make that 32. So uh, as part of, you know, the way the government's going at this point. Um, what I do want to say, though, real quick, is that going back to the border wall paying for itself, you know, the fact that more people are not discussing the new trade agreement is baffling to me because you look at – what's in that new trade agreement, the NAFTA revision, and that is that basically covers like triple times what the wall would ever cost, way more than triple. I mean, we have a, almost an $80 billion, like I said earlier in the show, with a B, dollar deficit with Mexico, and the wall is only going to cost $5 billion. I mean, what, what's the problem here? And this trade agreement gives us back lots of our debt and lots of the money that Mexico has been owing us for so long. But your thoughts on that, Dan, before I get to our first guest. Well, um, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it, it, it's really um, the, the, the situation that I've talked about in the past is that, that I believe that, that China would, would eventually begin to realize that they need the yep. United States more than the United States needs them. And right. – as a result, uh, if they if they didn't change their posturing, uh, the right. the damage of the tariffs was going to have an yep. adverse impact right. on the Chinese economy, right. which is doing. And we and, and I, so and I, I announced that on my show. I announced that on my show last week. China coming back to the table because they need us more than we need them. I mean, it's like working in all these different ways. You have Trump, who has this firm and direct and amazing business strategy that people, uh, you know, know that, that they can't mess around with him. He will not play games. You know, if you, if you right. play games with him, then, you know, he's, he's going to walk away from the table. Right, right. I agree. So let's go to our, your first guest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first guest tonight, very famous guy. He has a brand-new um, app coming out, and he has a best-selling book out, Scientist, Geologist, Political Strategist, Entrepreneur, climate change analysis, researcher, and best-selling author, author Greg Wrightstone. How are you, sir? Oh, very good. Thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And let, let's go, you know, into fir- you know, first and foremost, you know, you've been on the show before, uh, but for people that don't know, uh, give us a little bit of your background for the people that uh, haven't heard the uh, the past. Yeah, interview. yeah. Thanks. Um, I'm a geo. I'm a geologist with 35 years' experience. I've, I've been doing uh, researching various aspects of the of uh, Earth's history and paleoclimatology and how it relates to sedimentation. Um, yeah. I got into this. I didn't set out to write a book. Um, 
we're into the third printing now. Third printing uh, within the next 10 days to be, uh, we're running out of books in the warehouse. That happened uh, about a year ago, well, about nine months ago, after I was on Tucker Carlson, the sales shot through the roof, and, and we ran out of books for three weeks. I don't want that to happen again. Uh, but uh, but I didn't set out to write a book. I set out to seek the truth because as a geologist, I knew that some of what we were being told about climate change was just wrong. I suspected other things were, but when I first got into this, I said, you know what, I'm not there, – there's so much – and you've heard it. You, you've heard that all the contradictory information, sea levels are rising, sea levels are stable. Yeah. You know, yeah. forest fires are increasing. They're decreasing. You know, yeah. I said what I said. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to go back to the base data and find out for myself. And when I got into this, I said I'm not going to trust anybody. I'm going to find out for myself. And this, this was that's what the exploration was. And uh, what I found out was was frankly shocking. And that just about everything that you and your listeners hear about climate change from the mainstream media. And from the UN, and from the main, <clears throat> for most of the most of what they, they they hear in the media are the actual science facts and data are opposite of what we're being told, right. and and it's well, it's absolutely incredible. It it really and is, it, and let let's face it, and I and I say this all the time. Al Gore came up with one of the greatest scams, if not the greatest scam of all time. I mean, as as anybody that would want to make a giant amount of money. I wish yep. I would have came up with Al Gore's, you know, not not yeah. not morally, but you know what I mean. The guy goes around so I've, I've, filling people's heads with all of this gibberish and crap and propaganda, and he's made a fortune off of it. And what does he do? He flies on private jets. He has what a what is his bedroom? Uh, That's like fourteen uh, bedrooms, and it uses how much electricity? Like. Uh, some insane amount of electricity, and he claims he's for the environment. And he has he has he has multiple houses, and he has lives the richest lifestyle. And he claims to be this humble, you know, modest individual. But he's I mean that's just such BS. And it's just it, it goes into uh, just what the Democratic Party stands for. They all want to be rich, keep everybody poor. Uh, you know, that's why, you know, they're referred to a lot of them as the elites. Uh, it, it's such terrible communism, and it's sick. And, you know, with Al Gore, though, let's not forget, what did he say back in 2008? Oh, you got to sell your oceanfront property. Your homes are going to be underwater if you live in Florida or you live any in any of these areas. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have all of these things about Al Gore, and, you know, it, it's one of those things where his movie, you know, was so, you know, convincing to so many people, and the media, you know, put it in an A-class rating and said, this is what real science is, and look at how many people were brainwashed by it. Yeah, exactly, and we're seeing the same thing now with this, with this Green New Deal, uh, I'll be writing a, a commentary on that uh, this weekend. It, it's really bad. Uh, I, your your listeners might want to go check out my YouTube channel, Inconvenient Facts YouTube, uh, or my blog page at InconvenientFacts.xyz. Uh, but 
this Green New Deal that's being uh, uh, proposed by Alexandria Ocasio-Tez and some of the other liberal Ridiculous. Democrats, yeah. it's it's really incredible. It includes uh, and uh, for full employment. That, for people that don't know, it's a seventy. It's seventy percent. They want to they want to tax seventy percent. Um, if I'm not mistaking, the wealthy for this green thing. Is am I correct? Seventy. Yeah, that's what. Well, that won't even. But that's what they're proposing. But that doesn't even start to pay for for the costs of what they're they're. they're this green new deal includes a huge amount of things that that don't actually have anything to do with climate. It includes a universal basic income program, which will cost trillions of dollars. Uh, single which is payer health care. Communism will bankrupt our country. Yeah, but single payer health care is what is part of this green new deal. And the Mercatus Center estimates that'll be th- cost thirty two trillion over the first ten years. And what they want to do is replace completely replace fossil fuels, completely replace fossil fuels for electric generation uh, with wind and solar by 2030. That's 10 years from now, basically, with wind and and solar, no nuclear, no, no nuclear, no natural gas, no, no coal. They're all go away. And what it'll do is just, it's crazy. They can't, well, number one, they can't do it. It's physically impossible. Uh, to do with wind and solar, and what, are, what it's going to do is funnel monies to the unions and left-leaning industries, and what they're going to do is they admit in this, in the green, uh, in, in their complete agenda, if you look at it, that they will cost 150 million jobs in the in the fossil fuel industry. That's oil and gas. That's my son-in-law that, that works in the oil and gas sector. They're going to lose. Right. They admit that they there will be 150 million jobs lost. And uh, but what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to subsidize others with uh, uh, other other industries helping people out with uh, uh, green. They're, they're hoping these green jobs will will provide hundreds of thousands and millions of jobs. Uh, they, they, what they're also planning is to upgrade every single home and business in the country. Now by upgrade they mean by uh, completely uh, uh, improve the, uh, uh, the the heat heat flow from the homes. That'll be 130 million buildings, um, and also they're they're proposing a completely new system of publicly financed banks to finance it. So this is she's really what I call a, an environmental watermelon. She's green on the outside. She's red on the inside. She's a socialist on the inside. Or Marxist. She might be worse than socialist, but it's definitely Marxist, and uh, it's a bad, bad thing. One, one of the things that's troubling to me is that we have a number of Republicans actually coming on board with this, and a lot of these are the uh, you might be be shocked by these old Bush Bush era retreads like George Shultz, Trent Lott, uh, these these one world, new world order people. Um, they're buying into this into this notion of. Uh, of the UN um, uh, IPPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, um, and that, that that that's really what it's all about is is control and and I think world taxation. But it's uh, it's not going to do anything at all um, to improve our our climate. It's not going to do anything to improve our our uh, uh, the the environment. And it's it's, it's just crazy. It's if you would read through this, again, I'll, 
I'll be having a, a commentary uh, on this here up in my blog at inconvenientfacts.xyz uh, shortly. And, yeah, uh, and here, we, here's – oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, no, no, if, no, your no, listeners, no. if your listeners haven't heard, uh, you could go again uh, to my YouTube channel. I've been getting some great videos. I'm, I'm putting up uh, one every couple of days in, in anticipation of launch of our uh, – of our smartphone app, inconvenient app, that'll be out Monday. Uh, but uh, what, what you know is I'm a big proponent of, of uh, the benefits of CO2. My latest video up there is Global Warming Saves Lives, and it's a, it's a review of the science and facts of the uh, mortality and heat-related and cold-related deaths. And in that video, I, I document that uh, studies show that 15 to 20 times as many people die due to cold as to, due to heat. Uh, and that's that's very, very, very well documented. So global warm, any continued warming uh, will continue to save more lives due to cold-related deaths, a decrease in cold-related deaths, completely opposite of what we're being told. We're being told that heat, uh, with continued global warming, people are going to die from intense heat waves due to the heat, there's nothing farther from the truth than that, because so many more people died due to cold than from heat. And uh, uh, it, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's so tr- it's so true. And, and here here's what I want to really bring up, and and I want to, you know, okay. I want to. This is very important here, is that, you know, everything the Democrats are saying about climate change, totally false and wrong. You know, first of all, we got whack jobs and guys that need to go back to sleep like Bernie Sanders saying climate change is the biggest threat in our nation. We've got got Pelosi on day one bringing up climate change uh, during, you know, like the the wall meeting with Trump. I mean, the Democrats are make – they know – I mean, I would say a lot of these Democrat politicians know that climate change, you know, is, is a lot of it's BS but they know their voters believe it. So it's like they have all these networks, you know, uh, you know, taking obviously the side of the left and, you know, putting it as it, classifying it as real science. And it's like a distraction to me for, you know, like, like for these people, I look at it as a distraction, like for what the real problems that are going on. First of all, Global warming and climate change, it's been debunked many times. It's not real science. Uh, You know, there's been several people that have came out, including the founder of the Weather Channel, that said it's BS. And, you know, and we've seen uh, some of the, uh, you know, coldest days on end uh, this year. And let's not forget about the the polar ice caps. They want to say the polar ice caps are melting? That's BS. The polar ice caps are in some of the – best shapes they've ever been in well that i'm going to disagree with some of what you said that's just not true i mean climate change okay. is happening global warming is happening it's been warming for 300 plus years okay it is it, it is happening and to deny that is to deny the science but, all right science no, no, the warming has been occurring is, for over 300 years all right yeah. and it's not because of us it started it's a naturally occurring phenomenon and it's blessedly yeah. warming out of the, the horrible uh, little ice age. And those that that say it's just not happening uh, uh, are just discredit 
true skeptics like myself. So so it is happening, well, I don't, but it's not I our fault, it's, and it's beneficial. Right. right. I don't say it's not happening. I I view it the way that it's a natural thing. It's it's people it walking around. It's people breathing. It's people, you know, uh, having different germs. I mean, it, it, it's so many different things. It's it's diseases in the air. It's chemicals. I mean, it goes on and on. It, it's not the narrative that the Democrats are painting it, though. The Democrats are treating it like it's life or death. How, how long has our Earth been around? Thousands and thousands of years. And now, all of a sudden, in the last 10 years, they make climate change and global warming a sudden emergency and, like, the, one of the biggest threats to our nation. They even said it's a bigger threat than terrorism. And I'm just laughing. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Well, what I see is, a, I, again, I, I, I view what we've seen with increases in CO2 and rising temperatures, although they've been flat for 23 years, they'll probably start rising again at some point here. Uh, right. I think I, I, my, I, I think they'll, we're, we're in for another 60 or 80 years of slightly rising temperatures, and that's good because throughout yes. history, the rising, the, the warm periods throughout history have always been right. very beneficial, and there's a great correlation between the rise and fall of civilizations and the rise and fall of temperatures. Right. And, and we, we see um, great it, – it's the warm periods that are blessedly warm <laughs> – that, that are able to to grow crops and, and be prosperous. And it's the cold periods that are just the opposite. So I, I see – I'm a big, big proponent of of the beneficial aspects of our changing climate. You know, I, I want to I get to my co-host, but I, before I introduce my next guest, and stay on for a second, Greg. But, uh, you know, my, my quote – my statement about the polar ice caps, though, is that fairly accurate, though, that the polar ice caps are in, you know – Good shape compared to what the liberal media wants to portray. Well, well no. Well, there's the the northern polar ice cap has been shrinking. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, they they try to overemphasize it. Uh, Antarctica is increasing, um, but but the northern polar ice cap, even if you melted the whole daggone thing, it wouldn't increase sea levels at all because it's floating on ice. It's floating on water and ice that's floating on water if you melt it it doesn't increase the water you can do that experiment at home with some ice in a in a glass melt it in the microwave and water doesn't water level doesn't increase um so but but no the polar ice caps are they have been shrinking uh, not as much as what what's being told and, and the polar bears uh survived 100,000 years ago when the polar ice cap completely disappeared uh, so they they, right. they were able we, we to survive ad, that. We see advertisements coming out from the left that the polar bears are dying. So he just made a point debunking what they said. You know that that it isn't true what they're saying because polar bears have survived even when the ice caps are shrinking. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, in my book, I, I point out a study showing that uh, areas that the polar bears in areas with high ice loss uh, actually prospered better than the areas of of uh, where the ice loss is not so great, and uh, and that's which is uh, uh, completely opposite of what their funding source had hoped for. So, uh, but but again, the, I encourage anybody listening to go to inconvenientfacts.xyz or my my YouTube yeah. channel, which is Inconvenient yeah. Facts. You uh, there uh, for some pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff, including a, a relationship between uh, uh, the witch hunts in in uh, Europe in the late Middle Ages and, and the climate, really interesting. And, and, 
Yeah, yeah, and and before before I know people have questions, but let me let me ask you this before you before this is my last question to you. So I could ask you questions all day. I find this stuff fascinating. But the whole ideology with the Democrats and the the way they narrate and describe global warming and climate change, and the way they make it so frantic and so much hysteria behind the behind the whole thing. What is the I mean, obviously, it's political political game for their agenda, but it, we we can't deny the fact that all these people are are getting money. I mean, these Democrats are getting money. They're in a huge group together. Uh, they're globalists. They're making money by promoting this nonsense. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Like, it, it, it's part of the whole clan. Yeah, there's there are people like Al Gore directly making money from it. Uh, the other people, I think the politicians that are involved, just they want the control. They want the tax. They're, they're looking forward to the additional taxes that will be generated from this. And some of them say, well, we'll return it to the, to the poor uh, through subsidies because uh, our energy costs would skyrocket. And, and actually, when you, when you do a carbon tax or carbon cap and trade, what, it's a really a regressive taxation scheme. In other words, that it harms the poorest among us the most. Because the poorest spend the most of percentage of their income on energy, and uh, uh, so it hurts the poorest among us the most. Uh, but what they're looking for is this is this windfall of of additional uh, taxes coming into the government. Yeah, and, and stuff like stuff like you know the fact that California is becoming you know they they signed a law into place. Um, I, you know I don't know the, the the whole stipulations or everything behind it. But they are basically having everybody have solar energy, uh, solar yeah. panels on their houses. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's a complete disaster. That's never going to work. You must comply. Don't you understand? You must comply. And that's what they want. They want, they want good little citizens that, that march to the green beat. And uh, they won't be happy until everyone complies. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a... Uh, This Green New Deal is so completely uh, crackpot that I I don't – there's no way. Well, I'm not going to say there's no way. Who knows? I mean, things things, – I mean, we're moving. We see Republicans, like I say, buying into this. And and the the Democrats are so ignorant the way they want – you know, they want the coal – uh, plants out of business. I mean, it's just it's so much ignorance. I mean, they have no clue, you know what what they're what they're dealing with, and and just the word, you know, it's like it's like we're us conservatives. The majority of the time are on the right side of the ideology, and they want to do whatever opposite of what we're doing. And can the liberals and liberals want to convince their sheep, you know, and and the, the sheep unfortunately buy into it. Um, Dan, go ahead, and then I'm going to go to Josh, and then uh, we'll introduce our next guest. <clears throat> well, I, I was listening to the to the dialogue, and I uh, and you know I think that that your your guest uh, made an incredibly important point, but I'm afraid that maybe a lot of your listeners missed it. You you talked early about how much money Al Gore made with his whole global warming pitch and, 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 and climate change. Yeah. Your guest pointed out that the stakes 
in this battle are now estimated to be $32 trillion over the first 10 years. That was just for one part of it. Yes, my question question to your guest, Roy, is America is the mother of invention, and there are probably people right now working in their garages or their basements trying to figure out how to eliminate CO2 from fossil fuels. If tomorrow morning somebody announces that they have a, a process, scientific process, to remove CO2 from, from gas, coal, oil, burning to generate electrical power. What happens to that $32 trillion concept? What happens to the global warming people? Where do they go? Yeah, that's, I, I get what you're saying. And, yeah, what do they do? Because this, this has been a very convenient uh, subject and, and uh, item for them to, to be able to hook onto this, this left-wing uh, uh, agenda to, to pr- promote this, uh, uh, you know, the global dominance or whatever it is of the increased taxation. Yeah, what do mm-hmm. they do? I, I don't. It's it's hard for me to see. Under your scenario, you, you can't utilize fossil fuels without burning them. I, as far as I'm, yeah, maybe, well, maybe somebody can. I but it's hard for me to see that. Um, there's a lot and, of people, and I would say I would say to with... you that would be a bad thing if they could eliminate carbon dioxide because if if you look on the back of my uh, carbon dioxide spewing SUV, uh, I've mm-hmm. got a bumper sticker that says I heart CO2 because I truly believe that the increases in CO2 that we've seen have been very very beneficial to the Earth. We see that. The Earth is thriving, prospering, and greening precisely because of warming temperatures and increasing CO2. And the increasing CO2 um, uh, uh, fertilization effect has, has greatly benefited crop growth and vegetation across the Earth, and there's, there's no dispute about that. And, and, and if we don't if, – if CO2 I, – and I admit that increasing CO2 has some warming effect on the Earth – I just think that it's very modest and overwhelmed by the same natural forces driving temperatures since the dawn of time. So if CO2 is not going to drive devastating temperature increases, then all we see are positives. So, that, I mean, that's, I, I what got, I, that's my viewpoint. But, but, I, but do, that, I do got, I do got to rise uh, up with Greg shortly, but go ahead, Dan. I, gotta, do gotta inter, I, do I just want to say you, uh, you didn't really answer my question per se. If the Cortezes of the world have to face the, the possibility that some scientist somewhere or some two guys in their garage come up with a process to eliminate the CO2 emissions in burning fossil fuels, then green energy, solar, and wind become incredibly more expensive when there are low producers per kilowatt hour of cost versus coal, oh, yeah. natural gas, and oil. And so I, my question to you is, how does their power change if scientists, a new group of scientists, comes up with the technology? Because there's all kinds of stuff in, in carbon capture. 
Look at the television commercials for for Exxon and what they're doing in coal. There's there's a lot of stuff going on, and we may very soon see a breakthrough that that has the ability to eliminate or significantly reduce the CO2 emissions, which is the key key to the global warming people. If you take away their key, what do they have? Well, they have to answer this quick. They'll have to come up with a new hobgoblin of alarm. They'll come up with something else other than carbon dioxide, whatever it might okay. be. Hey, jo- Josh, before we go, you got any questions for uh, Greg? i got to introduce our next guest. Yeah, I'll go fast. I had one specifically about the Green New Deal. How, I mean, the, it's so far off its rocker, the whole idea of it. It's almost so crazy. It's so crazy that it's actually gaining support from a lot of people on the left that it, it, it seems like when it comes to this issue and with with anybody who really is pushing climate change as a bad thing in the in the situation we have now with with deals like the green new deal, it almost seems like science really doesn't matter and reality doesn't matter. It's just the idea of using scare tactics and then, you know, pushing out, reg- you know, regulation, yep. uh, which Sound happened a lot of through yeah, Obama. I'll respond, to that. You know. I'll respond to that really quickly. Go for it. I think they may have overplayed their hand with this, and I think that the American public yep. will be able to see through this for what it really is, I hope. Uh, but, but then well again, uh, yeah. So, but thanks, very, thanks for having very, me on. Yeah, and, I, I, uh, hate to, I, hate to, I hate to cut it short, Greg, but... Greg Wrightstone, we appreciate having you on, and tell everybody where they can find you. Inconvenientfacts.xyz and the YouTube channel, Inconvenient Facts. Excellent. Greg, we'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. I do want to welcome our next guest, very uh, famous guy, uh, big, big time, U.S. intelligence specialist, radical Islam expert, foreign policy analysis, political strategist, activist, director of Jihad Watch, and best-selling author Robert Spencer. How are you, my friend? Great to have you on. Just great. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. Sorry, sorry about the wait. Sorry, sorry about the little bit of a wait. I mean, we, we, uh, it's so, we were so uh, in, indulged in this conversation we were having about the science. Yeah, interesting stuff. But, yeah, and you, you obviously have a lot going on. Uh, please fill in the audience right now uh, what you have going on at the moment. Uh, we haven't talked to you in probably a month and a half or so. Well, I'm the director of Jihad Watch, which is a news and commentary site on jihad activity in the United States and around the world, updated many times daily at jihadwatch.org. It's the only place where you're going to find the truth about these issues. And I am the author of a book, The History of Jihad, actually – 18 books, but the latest is the history of jihad from Muhammad to ISIS, which is the only history of jihad that exists in the English language or in any other that I know of. And I'm working on a new book called Fatal Delusion, the Catastrophic History of the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Process. Very, very nice. Um, so, you know, I oh God, I have so many things to get into, but let, let's first start off with the border crisis. The government shut down. You know, I said earlier in the show, and I've been saying all along, Trump's going to win this one. You know, what, he's going to win this battle, whether it's uh, emergency, uh, you know, state of emergency, um, whether it's uh, going to the defense money, 
or whether it's the Democrats uh, budging. Um, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? And, and let's, let, let me name something else that blew my mind today. Just in the month of December, we had over 30,000 families crossing the border. Yeah. Company. And yeah. the fact that the, the, the claims the Democrats are making are increasingly ridiculous. And one of the things that they have said is you had – actually, it was Chris Wallace who should know better contradicting Sarah yes. Sanders and challenging her when she was saying that there was a national security aspect to this because terrorists had crossed the southern border. This is something that's right. been known for years. This is not something Sarah Sanders or Donald Trump made up. I remember right. several years ago contributing to a report for the investigative project on terrorism, and they put out an extensive, lengthy report. You can still find it online at their site, and it's uh, of all the terrorists who have crossed the southern border. And that was, that was before Trump became president. There, in, the, in the time that he's been president, there's been a concerted effort. Uh, there were six Bangladeshi nationals apprehended in a 12-hour period at Laredo, Texas, just a couple weeks ago. And that's about 200 Bangladeshi nationals who've been caught there trying to get into the United States at Laredo. Why would Bangladeshi nationals be sneaking into the, southern, uh, into the U.S. at the southern border? Well, Bangladesh also happens, not coincidentally, to be a hotbed of ISIS. So they are coming in and they are exploiting the southern border in order to do so. Yeah, and, and there's all these tricks, there's all these loopholes, there's all these different ways that these, um, you know, terrorists and, and these these bad people uh, can can come in through, and and they have they have all these different strategies that they use, and it, it's it's a scary situation. And you know, when people, you know, we go back and look at the Democrats, and the Democrats all along, you know, wanted a a wall, you know, before Trump came along, but now that Trump uh, is going to get the credit for it, they don't they don't want to give him his wall. They don't they don't want him to to gain. They don't want him to have the power. Uh, they don't want him to, you know, to cross this promise off his agenda to his supporters. So it, it, it's yeah. one of those things where it, it's just disgraceful. You know what I mean? How? It, but that's politics for you. Yeah, and that's really what this is all about. It's, I mean, of course, it's motivated by their hatred for Trump and their desire to destroy him, certainly. But also, it's absolutely true that these are the people that vote for them, and they want to increase their voter base. That, that means illegals. There were just a million and a half, because of the sterling work of Judicial Watch, a million and a half illegal voters struck off the California voting rolls. There's certain to be more who are still on the rolls. Yes. And this is one of the reasons why California's vote has been so lopsided for the Democrats over the last few uh, presidential elections, when before there was a very healthy Republican presence in California. Nixon and Reagan were from California. There was a strong Republican Party there. Those people haven't all left the state. They've just been overwhelmed by illegals. And so they want to bring in more to make sure their electoral dominance continues. No, you're absolutely right. Very well said. Um, I want to go to Josh. Yeah, you know, I had a, you, I had a question specifically about the, the the current climate over in the Middle East. You know, it seems that the 
the media has gone quiet about ISIS, and I, I you know, and honestly, the whole the whole situation in the Middle East has gone quiet. I was wondering if you could provide some light on what's actually happening right now because no one seems to be talking about it whatsoever. Well, ISIS really has lost 98% of its territory in Iraq and Syria. When Barack Obama left office, it looked as if ISIS was there to stay. They controlled a territory larger than Great Britain, and they were on the path to legitimacy. They were selling oil to the neighboring states. Turkey refused to stop buying their oil when John Kerry asked them to. And it looked like they were going to be around for a long time. Now they are pretty much – they are defeated, as Trump and Pompeo have said. They still do have a small presence there, and we also have a small presence there in Iraq, and that should be enough to handle it. Of course, we can always reverse should they start to become resurgent. Uh, there is certainly a, a great deal still of jihadist sentiment all around the Middle East. It's not as if this began with ISIS or is going to end with ISIS. And it's going to be these people consider themselves to be fighting a 1,400-year war. It ain't going to end anytime soon. That's been on the upswing. Uh, if you went back 100 years or even 50 years, the Middle East was much more secular and westernized than it is now. And the Islamic groups have been reasserting themselves. This is a long-term thing that is uh, going to continue probably for the rest of this century. You know, a follow-up question to that is, what is Israel's situation right now? How are they doing in regards to ISIS, for the most part, being eliminated? But like you were talking about, the general sentiment still is there. Yeah, the general sentiment is still there. The the uh, Islamic – see, it, it, the Quran says drive them out from where they drove you out. It's very clear. So they say they were driven out, although mostly they left at the command of Arab leaders. But the the line is that they were driven out by the Israelis in 1948. So they have a command. They think they have a responsibility before God, like the Ten Commandments, to drive out the Israelis and destroy Israel. And so that's not going to go away. It's not going to be negotiated away. They're not going to forget about it. It's just sometimes they, they, it's emphasized more and sometimes it isn't. This is a time when it is. But ISIS was right at the borders of Israel, at the Golan Heights, threatening Israel, and now they're gone. And so uh, Israel is in a much stronger position. Of course, Trump is the most pro-Israel president that there's been since the state of Israel was founded. And so this is all to the good since they are indeed the only democracy in that area and our strongest ally in that area, if not in the world. And so we should support them. Obama was terrible to them. And uh, Trump has turned things around to the degree that there are back-channel connections between Israel and the Saudis to collaborate against Iran. And Iran being uh, – you know, in Iran, the mullahs actually command the people every Friday when they're in the mosque to chant death to America and death to Israel. And this is not just a slogan. Uh, there have been Iranian spokesmen who have emphasized that and said this is our policy. This is not just something we say. This is what we're working toward. And so to uh, see Israel working with the Sunni Muslim states against Iran is all to the good. Yeah, you know, sorry about that. Yeah, I had one one more following up on that in regards to Israel. You were talking about how uh, Israel is really the only uh, – you mentioned it, you didn't say this in the exact words, but Israel is really the only free nation in the in the region. You That's know, right. Talk about the way that, that Islam suppresses the idea of freedom and capitalism and how as long as Islam is so prevalent, 
I mean, well, they'll never, they'll never be like Israel. They'll never actually become truly free and, you know, sovereign free state. Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, this is proven in history. If you look at the book, the history of jihad, you'll see it. The, uh, there's never been a free democratic Islamic state. You can say Turkey was a free democratic state up until recently, but Turkey, when it was a free democratic state, was not uh, based on Islamic law. Islamic law denies the freedom of speech, the freedom of conscience, the equality of rights of women, the equality of rights of non-Muslims, all kinds of things that make it susceptible to authoritarianism. And it's always been a scene uh the it always been there have always been authoritarian regimes in islam in the islamic world and always will be as long as islam can remains the way it is do you do you ever Gentlemen, see uh, you know, do you, do you it's ever been see the fun, idea but i got to run yeah no if you no go ahead rory okay uh robert uh can you can you do 5 more minutes Okay, we do have, we do have some people with a couple questions, but go go ahead, Josh. Continue your thought. You know, I've I've took up enough of his time. He got five minutes. I know Dan wants to talk to him, so I'll I'll relinquish. All right, my Dan, thoughts. go yeah, ahead. I'm sorry, I gotta go. It's just, it's very late for me, and I I'm an early riser, so. No, yeah, I understand I know. that, anyway, Dan. Go ahead. Um, uh, I just want to ask one question. Um, yeah, yeah I, I have been a student of uh, of Islam for a long time. I, I wrote a, four books on Islamic terrorism. Uh, and here's the thing that, that is surprising to me. We have the representative from Michigan and the representative from Minnesota, and uh, she took her oath of office on the Koran. Yes. And, and used what would be considered to be inappropriate language when she was speaking about the president. That is so, or I should say, the question is: Isn't that terribly untypical for Muslim women? Uh, yeah, but she's a she's a politician. She's a leader, and it's not un-Islamic to speak that way. You might find this surprising, but actually, there are some things I can't really. I don't know what kind of rules you've got, but I'm not even going to say these things. But you can find them on uh, my website, Jihad. Uh, Muhammad actually used very you foul can, language. You can say whatever you want. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no filter or anything. You can say whatever you want. I mean, you can be as detailed as you want. Okay. Well, anyway, he used very uh, foul language. He, you know, says go fight, go bite your father's penis and things like that to people who who, <laughs> who criticized him. This is Muhammad, the prophet of Islam, and Muhammad, yeah. the prophet of Islam, is. The excellent example that all Muslims should follow, and so the idea of being abusive, contemptuous, hateful toward one those one's enemies, Muhammad did that, and that means that's how a Muslim should behave. And so when she said when she calls Trump this, she's just uh, acting like Muhammad did, and no Muslims are going to be upset with her about that. But I, I, I wasn't. Go ahead, Dan. I was just curious that it. That with the with the as Joss was talking about what's going on with the Middle East and Middle Eastern women uh, and 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 Muslim women in the in the Middle East being very repressed, it seems strange to me that she would strike out so 
violently and so crudely. I understand what you're talking about, and and I've read about some of the things that Muhammad has said. I was just surprised that she would be so so aggressive, so foul mouth, so quickly on her first day in office. Um, and I, I'm just curious, from your perspective as an expert, uh, it, it didn't seem, however, that it went down. It it didn't seem to bother a lot of people in the United States. No, it doesn't. It didn't Period. bother people in the United States because, uh, in the first place, the left is growing increasingly unhinged and violent and violent in their rhetoric. And so this is. Uh, it wouldn't have been surprising coming from any leftist politician. And the Muslims weren't upset because, you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that women are supposed to be modest. They're supposed to cover themselves. But that also is a command of Muhammad. And it's, it doesn't mean that they're supposed to be demure and shy and retiring and, and, and not use foul language. All that is fine yeah. because Muhammad did it. And, and, and <clears throat> okay. before you go, before you go um, Robert, two, two last questions. Number one, what's the, what, what's the deal with, Thomas Jefferson owning a Koran, and these congresswomen said, what, or at least one of them said they swore on, on Thomas Jefferson's Koran. Can you speak on that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, this is a big scam. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge deception being put over on the American public. Thomas Jefferson was a very intelligent man who had a great intellectual curiosity about all kinds of things. So he bought a Koran early in his life. And there's no indication that he ever read it because he doesn't ever say anything about it. That's one thing. Also, the Quran he bought was the translation by George Sale, which was one of the earliest translations into English. And it's very critical of the Quran. It's got an introduction by the translator saying, saying Muhammad was a false prophet and all these crazy, stupid things in this book. But it's important for people to be informed about it. And so it's kind of ironic that all these Muslim politicians now are taking their oath of office on it as if it's some sign that Jefferson was some multiculturalist. The book is actually very anti-Islamic, Jefferson's Quran. Also, when he was ambassador, when he was uh, actually, I don't remember what he was right now, but he was in the U.S. government, and it was before he was president. He was over in England, and he and John Adams met with the ambassador from Morocco to London because of the raids on American ships that the Barbary pirates were carrying out. And they wrote a report back to Congress. Jefferson 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 wrote it saying that uh, the uh, guy, the ambassador, told them that they were fighting them because it was in the Quran. They had to fight unbelievers. And so he was very clear about that in his report to Congress. This is an official, and he doesn't say Islam is a religion of peace or Islam is wonderful. He says, this guy told us there's perpetual war between Muslims and non-Muslims because of what's in the Quran. So that's Jefferson on Islam. That's the real Jefferson on Islam. Now, now the last question, um, you know, it comes from uh, a caller. Uh, see if she's here. Uh, Maria, are you there? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear right, you. Can you wanted hear. to ask Ro- you wanted to ask yes. Robert a question about Saudi Arabia. Yes, I'm very excited. Yes, uh, I was looking in the news today and I saw Ground Zero. There's like a statue of a big candy, and it's like a yes. Saudi Arabia. Have you, can you comment on that? And what does that mean? Because to me, that reminds me of when there's a terrorist attack. Uh, you know, a lot of the women pass out candies, and I thought, is there a connection? 
No, there's no – well, there may be some indirect connection or implicit connection, but the, the official story is that this is some art, modern art project, and there are all these different flags of different nations that are wrapped up like candies. As in, in, I mean, the big statue is a statue of a big candy with a national flag on it, and the Saudis are mm-hmm. not the only one. But as it happens, the Saudi statue with the big candy with the Saudi flag is there right by ground zero. And so people have said this is this is inappropriate. This is an insult. This is what the people who killed 3,000 people right here did it for, and it shouldn't be there. But it's likely that if they were paying attention at all, that the de Blasio administration wanted to put it there because they want to show that they uh, their fantasies about Islam being a religion of peace and not really having anything to do with the 9/11 attack. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very interesting. Very well I today. Oh, go ahead. Anyway, it's fun, folks. I yeah, got to run. Yes, yeah, yeah. Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for coming on. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, thanks, Rory. I'm at jihadwatch.org. J-I-H-A-D watch.org. Uh, the book is the history of jihad. Watch for fatal delusion this fall. And I'm at jihadwatchrs on Twitter. Excellent. And Robert Spencer, it's always a pleasure having you on, my friend. We'll have you back on again soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Take care. All right, bye. Robert Spencer, everybody. Truly, oh, always a pleasure having him on. I do, I do want to bring on um, our next guest. Very, very, very popular guy. Um, first of all, I want to take a quick 30-second commercial break, um, and we will be right back. Give me one second. Hello everybody, this is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show Do you ever have an app idea you want built but you don't know who to contact Or you don't have the funds to pay a big app company I got great news for you My company GetYourAppBuilt.com charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else We do all our work here in the USA And we have employees all across the nation Give us a call today for your free consultation. We are looking forward to hearing from you. God bless. Cheers. There you have it. There you have it. Um, okay, so our next guest, very famous guy, uh, doing a lot of big stuff right now, attorney, lobbyist, Democratic state senator in Louisiana, and author of the new book, Robert Mueller, Aaron Boyd for the New World Order. John Milkovich, how are you, my friend? Hey, Rory, how are you? Good, man. It's great to have you here. Thank you for coming back. Uh, you know, you've been on the show uh, many times. Uh, you're a good friend of the show. Um, there's a, obviously a lot going on in the media. I'm sure you have a, a lot going on uh, uh, as senator as well. So I'm sure, what have you been up to? Tell us uh, what you're working on and your book as well. well. Uh, yeah, thank you, Rory. We, we uh, of course, we were... Very fortunate, very blessed. Thank God that we were able to get our book published on uh, Robert Bueller, Robert Bueller, uh, Aaron Boy for the New World Order. And just having conversations with people across America, um, illustrating and I think uh, trying to expose that the Robert Mueller, the professional Robert Mueller, the Robert Mueller that uh, spent much of his career in the Department of Justice and the FBI, 
bears no relationship to the Robert Mueller that's being portrayed by the mainstream media as the uh, straight arrow Eagle Scout Dudley Do-Right, that he is a very corrupt political operative who's been involved in multiple cover-ups and instances of government corruption for 30 years. So we just think it's important to bring that fact to light so that the American public knows what's going on with this attack on President Trump's presidency. And, and you know what I've all, all you know what I've honored about you since the day I've met you and the, since the day I've known you. Well, I've never officially met you in person, but we've spoken on the phone many times, and you've been on the show many times. I appreciate how, as a Democrat, you are speaking the truth and what is really going on. You're not just speaking for your own party gain. You're not just you know going at, going by what you're the Democratic Party says, and like I said before, you're bringing the whole moderate uh, level back, like like the, like Kennedy. I mean, you are for policy. You're for America. You're for the people. You know, you're not for, uh, you know, these, uh, some of these very, you know, corrupt politicians that are uh, very, uh, you know, heavy involved with some of the wrong people. Well, you're very kind, Rory. Thank you very much for your uh, encouraging words. I I believe, and I think many Americans do, it's time to get beyond the political parties and all the game playing and the partisanship, um, the politics. It's time for us to get to purpose, priority, and principles. And the reality is that we need to tell the truth about what's going on. Donald Trump is an outsider. Uh, Whether you agree with everything he does or not, he is someone who is – got a passion and purpose to fight for the American people. Uh, He's an outsider. Therefore, he is automatically the enemy of the globalist establishment, deep state insiders, and that includes Robert Mueller. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's amazing how all of this transpired and, and formed, you know, right after, you know, Hillary lost and Mueller gets appointed and we have all of these things. And, you know, it's, it just goes to show that Washington was not ready and they were not expecting Trump to win. They thought Hillary was going to be there. They thought they could cover up and continue with, uh, you know, lots of the corruption that was going on. Uh, But unfortunately it backfired on them and, you know, they, the unexpected happened, and they were like, oh, my God, what do we do? What do we do now? The, you know, the, the American people spoke, uh, and then we, we, with Trump in here, we're not going to have this same kind of power that we did with Obama. Um, but it, it, just, it, it fascinates me. It really does. Uh, it really does. It, it, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, uh, Josh, your thoughts? Josh, you there? You still there? Dan? Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Did we lose our guest? Connection still there? Yeah, no, John oh, Milkovich is here. I thought you asked for Josh. Oh, yeah. Did, did it disconnect for a second? No, I thought you uh, were referencing Josh. Rather than, so I didn't no, no, I was, I was, I was, um, I was saying if Josh had any thoughts, um, 
I know he has thoughts to this. Josh, are you there? Yeah, I apologize. I think I was the one that cut out. Okay. But, yeah, I I, I did actually have a, a quick thought. You know, I uh, I sadly haven't got a chance to read your book yet. I did get it. Thank you for sending that over. Um, you know, I, it's, it's actually right behind my book. I'm reading through the Federalist Papers. It's uh, The next book on my list is yours. Um, but you know, one of the things that last time, last time that you were on, you talked about, you know, just the deep level of corruption. I wanted to go a little bit different way on that same subject in regards to, you know, the state that you're now in, uh, obviously you're an elected, you're an elected politician. Now you're a Senator. One of the, you know, I, I wondered if you had, you see anything on a state level that makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit, or is it a, almost a completely different type of um, environment? Uh, obviously it is, but is there anything that concerns you corruption-wise in your own state? Well, I, I mean, sure, there's things in, in the state that are, are, are powerful and that are uh, reasons for hope, but, but sure, there's a, there's a, there's abuses of government power in Louisiana, like there is everywhere. So um, I don't know if I have any uh, broad generalization. Um, uh, you know, I find people in government that have integrity, and I find encounter people that seem to have uh, selfish agendas and uh, are not um, aren't focused on freedom or protecting individual rights. Absolutely. You know, the, the idea that something you just said just spurred a question in my head. The idea of, of government officials pushing for freedom is something that seems like it doesn't really exist anymore. It's kind of just become a game of party politics and, you know, how far you can push forward the Republican agenda or the Democrat agenda or, or your agenda. You know, it, where have we, why have we gotten so far away from the idea of representing the people, but not only representing what the people want you to do, you know, on every specific issue, but representing the people, people in giving them freedom is what used to be the utmost goal. It seems like it's gone by the wayside. That is a fascinating observation. And, you know, uh, Rory, there's a lot of truth to, to what Josh said, and I've, it's helped me understand what's going on. Being in the legislature has helped me understand what's going on in America. When you are an elected legislator, and I, and I think that was, is true whether you're on the state or federal level, you know, we've been raised, I believe there's three branches of government uh, in a constitutional democracy, judicial, executive, and legislative. But as a legislator, you realize, and as What is it? Um, ma- monopoly mainstream media. There are the lobbyists. There is the not just the executive branch, but the deep state administrative entities. These are people that work get paid by the government, but they're answerable to no one. So it it almost and of course there's the CIA, which CIA, which is incredibly corrupt and seemingly out of control uh, of the president um, and. So you, it, 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 cha- it, it concerns me that we are supposed to have a government with three branches, and 
we wake up in the in 21st century and wonder, do we have six or seven branches? When you consider the lobbyists, when you consider the deep state administrative uh, bureaucracy, you, when you consider the monopoly mainstream media, when you consider the globalist international bankers, th- there are so many other uh, forces that are trying to shape our government. And the legislators, you're right, should be answerable to the people, they should be fighting for freedom, but so often, and even, you know, there's some great legislators in Louisiana, but sometimes I'm concerned that the legislators uh, can be um, susceptible to pushing the agenda of, you know, mainstream media or um, the deep state administrative entities or special interests or lobbyists instead of the people. And I'm cons- that's a concern for me. As a citizen of Louisiana, that's a concern for me as a citizen of the United States of America. Well, and, you know, to add to that point, when you're talking about the three branches of government and how they balance out each other's power and those, like you were saying, those are the forces that are supposed to push forward this country. It, it does bother you not only when you talk about, you know, the, when you said the idea of maybe there's hypothetically seven branches with the level of corruption that we have. The worst part about that is that it seems like the three branches really are just the peacocks, so to speak. They're just there for show, and the real power is, is behind the scenes. But the worst part about it is it's not – we don't know who it is. Like, we can speculate a lot of times, and we can get pretty close. But in reality, there's some times where we don't even know – we don't even have a name – of what we're even dealing with. We don't even really, uh, in some cases there may be, you know, points where we don't even know exactly what we're dealing with yet. Look, that's well stated. And, uh, you know, and I think it might've been Rory that stated a few moments ago. uh, There's a lot of people that are just totally upset by the presidency of Donald Trump. And again, whether you, this is not about whether you agree with everything that he's done or said, um, he probably doesn't agree with everything he's done or said. If he's changed his mind, he, at some level yeah. he, he has, disagrees with some of his own actions. But but the real uh, tsunami of of uh, reaction and response and uh, the effort to um, dismantle the the Trump presidency comes from, like you said, it's the unnamed power brokers. It because. He is representing the voice and the dreams and the uh, love, you know, the patriotic uh, love of America, of many of the people. Yet he is being pilloried every second of the day by the mainstream media and by politically correct politicians. And I think it's, you know, what you said, Josh, is is right on point. He's taken on the unnamed, invisible, um, secret, behind-the-curtain power brokers. That had been controlling things, and that uh, you know, and President Kennedy talked about that. He said there are powerful forces that are unseen, undisclosed, that yep. try to rule the country. Yet they are not doing. They they are powers outside and contrary to the principles and structure of the United States Constitution. Yeah. No. no absolutely. No, Dan, no, absolutely. I would like to ask the the senator. Uh, I would go a little bit different direction. 
Um, okay. I want to deal with the, the current current news and what you think about whether or not the president has the powers to declare an emergency to get the wall built. You know, I'm I am not. I haven't really drilled down on the constitutional constitutionality of that issue. So, you know, I'm, I, I hesitate to try to answer that authoritatively as an expert. But you know, I I can see the obvious. Uh, and, and I guess if I have a gift, that's hopefully that I'm staring at the obvious long enough, I may try to may be able to grasp it. Um, immigration in the past has been a way for people to find hope and for people to join themselves to the American dream, not to bomb but to build. Immigration has been a process where people uh, ascribe to and adhered to and accepted the the culture and principles America was built on, Christianity and freedom. But now we're seeing something much different. It's not just people and, – and listen, I understand there are people trying to get here to try to better themselves. I, I respect that, and, and that is a truth. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's not just people trying to better themselves. It's not people simply trying to uh, – strengthen America. It's not people who, who believe in our values. There's another added dimension, and that is a what I call weaponized immigration. And I suspect, yep. and I think it was Josh that said, people behind the scenes, are they financing these uh, some of these uh, attempts to immigrate? And are they trying to undermine America? Are they trying to uh, undermine our culture with an infusion of drugs? Are they trying to Basically, uh, weak. Weaponized immigration designed to undermine the strength and destiny and uh, the resonance of freedom in America. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. Your 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 response then. Well, I I understand that the um, the president has been given the power for the purpose of declaring a national emergency from the Congress. They have passed legislation that gives the power to the president to declare on his own, without congressional approval a national security issue or whatever he wants to call it. So I'm thinking that from what I've been reading today, there seems to be ample case law supporting the power of the president to to be able to to do what he thinks he needs to do to protect the country. That's part of his, his oath of office. And so the question then becomes, if he has the power and there is ample precedent under the law, will the Democrats be successful in finding a, ju- a judge who will issue a stay uh, and postpone this till uh, it goes to the Supreme Court? What do you think? Well, shoot. I mean, and, and I don't know that I, I'm an expert on, on answering that question either, Dan. I think you're asking good questions. I'm sorry if I'm, my answers aren't uh, – if I lack the expertise to give definitive answers. But we know that the 
there is a political element in the judicial system, um, and there is it is a factor that uh, people that go to court sometimes try to select a forum or a you know judicial district where they feel like they could get a favorable hearing, and then of course these issues work their way up the system from the district to the appellate level to uh, potentially ultimately to the United States Supreme Court. So that can be part of a political battle that's played out in the courts. Um, that's but do you, do you think do you, with, with separating that the specific issue of the question, the court, Judge Roberts and other officers of the court, the other justices, have uh, recently in some of their rulings uh, been highly critical of the lower courts trying to legislate from the bench. So do you think that it will be get, become more and more difficult to get to, to shop for a judge given the, the posturing and the warnings from the Supreme Court? You know, you know, I don't know how much those statements, uh, of course, sometimes that's known as obiter dicta or statements that may not be part of the, may or may not be part of the essential holding of the court. I don't know that that's going to discourage people from going to the courts. Um, might have some, might play some role, but, um, you know, people may decide to resort to the courts. And, you know, the, the judiciary is part of the constitutional machinery, it's part of the constitutional apparatus, it's part of the you know, one of the three co-equal and separate branches of the government. So I, I respect the role that ju- the judiciary plays. We just certainly want to pray that that when the judges assess these issues, they do so independently. Look, l- let me tell you what the bombshell is. And I think uh, – and, Rory, you know, this we need to drill down on. Is, am I, I have read just within the last several days that – um, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. Is it Mr. Montgomery, that's a whistleblower that says that that you know some of the Mueller and the deep state intelligence people are conducting surveillance on federal judges and, and potentially to try to influence or use improper um, coercion to affect the. I mean that is where to me that is the potentially explosive. Uh, constitutional crisis that's just and, and again I do not have any independent information of that but there is a whistleblower that is apparently has some type of association or connection or, or relationship friendship with uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi who is right. alleging that the you know these deep state uh, federal agents are spying on federal judges so does that right. mean that if uh, that they're trying to use uh, illegally obtained evidence or information to try to affect the rulings of federal judges. I mean, to me, that is that is terrifying, and that is where if we're going to have an independent counsel in America, all this nonsense yeah. about pre- I'm sorry, y'all. No, no, keep going. No, that. keep. No, keep going. I love what you're what? saying. Keep going. Well, just to bring it, and, and I apologize. I don't think I'm doing a good enough job on Dan's very incisive, uh, penetrating questions. But uh, maybe, Dan, I'm kind of building on your idea. But if 
this is this is what McGovern and Benny say. Those are the fa- uh, I think McGovern worked with the uh, CIA and Benny with the NSA, but they're both federal intelligence agents. They said, look, there is a surveillance state already in place in America that Robert Mueller told, uh, lobbied for in Congress. He said we need the federal government spying on everyone, and what they said was. If Trump was actually – with all of the surveillance that they have, all the ability and power of the federal government and the federal intelligence agencies and the deep state people to tape record and bug and intercept uh, and, and trace and listen in on whatever you want to call it, emails and telephone calls and faxes and texts and internet searches, they said if there was real Russian collusion – where President Trump actually participated in hacking Hillary Clinton's emails. It would have already really participated. It would have been out by now. They would have had to, they would have had the evidence. And um, so there's no you know, there's no real there's no there there. As uh, uh, I think it was Gertrude Stein said about Oakland, and I don't want to offend people that live in Oakland, but she said there is no there there. This the Russian collusion <laughs> against Trump. There's no there there because if there had been, that would have been exploded. You know, they would have had the emails, they would have had the conversations. So right. what we really need a special counsel for is to investigate people like Mueller who break all the laws, and according to Dr. Corsi, threatened and tried to cajole him into committing perjury. We need an independent yeah. counsel to, to investigate whether federal agents are illegally spying on federal judges in such a way as to be able to improperly influence this third branch of our constitutional uh, apparatus. I'm going uh, to take a 30-second Yeah, Dan, I'm going to take a 30-second commercial break, then you can ask your question, and we have a few more things to discuss. But uh, stay on the line, everybody. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Be sure to visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your fancy, customized, and creative Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find these products anywhere else. Best part of all is that the products are all built right here in the USA. Um, be sure to type in promo code MPGA for 15% off your first order. Um, God bless you. God bless America. Cheers, everybody. All righty, we are back. Dan, ask your question. Um, Senator, I want to go a different direction. Sorry about that, Josh. Um, the reports are out uh, today that the Trump administration is beginning to screen possible replacements for, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who for the first wow. time in her 25 years has not participated at hearings before the bench. And, isn't it the third day in a row she, she's missed it? Yes, yes. And, but prior to this, she had never missed a day. And I'm not saying that she's going to resign, but the, the 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 White House has let it be known that they're looking at possible options. Now, um, the the one option that's being spoken about a lot is 
uh, a woman justice in the federal district court who um, happens to be a Catholic, uh, happens to have a lot of children. And I'm wondering what your perception of the of the hearings in the Judiciary Committee with Lindsey Graham as the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, will she have a more difficult time if she's nominated than Judge Kavanaugh? Um, are you asking that? This is John Milkovich. Were you asking that to me, Dan? Yes. You know, and shoot, I don't know. I guess is that, uh, let me ask you: Is that the lady who was, whose name was also in contention at the same time that President Trump nominated uh, Justice Kavanaugh? Yes. Okay, and I don't know as much about her. I've heard some good things about her, but I honestly uh, don't know an awful lot about her. I just, I, you know, I heard some generally very positive things, and heard some people heard, heard one or more people really praise her, but. Listen, yeah, I, I, I you know, the reason why I'm asking the, asking the question, we had uh, the senior senator from Hawaii in speaking of Judge Kavanaugh that, quote, he had no right to due process and that he being a white man said so just sit down and shut up. I wonder if the females on the Judiciary Committee I will think, be as uh, – Vicious against another female, and how the, you, what you're, you're saying is, are the dynamics going to be different because she's a woman? Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. I that's what I'm asking you. What you think? Gosh, let me put it right back at you. And that's an interesting question that I hadn't thought of. What do you think, Dan? I'm sorry, Rory. That's your job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can all ask the. He's questions. asking me all these tough questions. I'm not. I, uh, I, I you apologize. Know, I go back and I, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think that, you know, if they would give her as hard of a time as they gave Kavanaugh, you know, I think the whole double standard would be uh, played. I mean, you know, because the, the, the females on the left always want to claim sexism. So, you know, if they're going to attack a woman on the right, you know, you better believe that. that I mean, that we might as well use that term. I mean, they can't. They can't be hypocritical. They can't, you know, expect that, you know, women on the left have to be treated with all respect, but women on the right can be bashed on. You can't have it both ways. Um, but, Dan, yeah, your thoughts, Dan. Well, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm thinking is that, uh, again, Mr. Trump being ahead of the, the, the de- Democrats, by bringing in a female, well-qualified justice to replace Ruth Bader yeah. Ginsburg, you yeah. you bring in a female. You bring in a female, which is yeah. – I'm not even going to say that. I'll, I'll pass what I was going to say there. Uh, so you're, you're exchanging one female for another. Granted, you're probably bringing in a conservative versus a liberal. However, yeah. it puts the Democrats in a huge box. In, in, in a corner Because as Roy was saying If they go after her the, the, the Women were really Really upset in the polling Data the way the Democrats Treated Judge Kavanaugh If the, yeah. if the Democrats Go after a female They could right. be in serious trouble 
especially especially the wow. ones who are really mad, especially after all the females, the hundreds that came out and defended Kavanaugh that went to school with him and said how much of a class act he was. And he, ne- he never, you know, was out of place or acted inappropriately. That was just a – he knew that was a smear campaign. But, you know, I, I want to ask something that's kind of a little bit off topic. And, and this, this was brought up in the news reports, you know, this past week. And, uh, you know, John, Senator Milkovich, I, I know that, you know, the whole, this kind of ties into Mueller. But there's a very professional hacking group. And they've hacked into some of the biggest companies, Apple, Sony, um, different big medical companies. Now they're saying they have over 30,000 pages of 9-11 cover-ups from the government. And some of that, obviously, we know involves Mueller, because Mueller was helped cover up certain 9-11 document, documents. So, oh, yes, uh, you know, does. if this is actually, if this is legitimate, uh, these hackers are threatening to release it, and they have a credible background, uh, but they want ransom. Otherwise, they say uh, the, everybody in America will know the truth soon enough about 9-11. And just, I'm just like, whoa. I'm just like, the fact that, you know, it's not just an everyday Joe Schmo talking. These are actually professional hackers that can back up what they say. Well, it's, 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 black, it's backfiring, you know. The Bible says that the... The Lord is known by the judgment which he worketh. The, the wicked are snared in the work of their... The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Uh, you know, they've, they're the profession... They're, they are the ultimate hacksters. Uh, it, think of the irony of this. They're supposedly putting the presidency uh, of the... The entire presidency of, of the... The 45th presidency of the United States on the table at risk. Um, put it up for uh, introspection and dissection and potentially try to terminate the 45th presidency based on hacking of one person's uh, server, Hillary Clinton. At the same time, they are advocating and have got legislative approval of and are executing the hacking and spying on the, the electronic, digital, telephonic communications of 320 million Americans, or over every American. So they're, fu- they're ticked off supposedly about people hacking Hillary. They are hacking every law-abiding American in the United States. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true, and, um, you know, you're absolutely and I missed your right. Point. You know, you're if, if they they may blow some stuff up about 9/11, and the reality is, Robert Mueller he, he was instrumental in covering up the largest terrorist attack on American soil, and somehow that he is qualified to lead the investigation into the constitutional legal legitimacy of the 45th presidency of the United States. Folks, that does not add up. Oh yeah, it it blows my mind and. And Dan, you know, you know very, you know, you were, you studied 9/11 very thoroughly. What are your thoughts on this, Dan? Well, there's a there's a lot of of uh, conspiracy theory stuff that that I don't really subscribe to. Um, right. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever know. It's just like the the Kennedy assassination. We'll never know all of the detail. Um, right. E- even the president who tried to release a lot of the stuff. 
that have been classified uh, backed off on some of it. Um, I think it's Im- important to understand uh, the, to what involvement the, the, the bombers were sponsored by the Saudi government or other factions within the this, uh, this, uh, Saudi country uh, because so many of them were Saudi Arabian. Um, but the world has changed since then. Uh, we've had multiple presidents since then, multiple, multiple leaders around the world. And um, we have serious problems that we need to deal with today. Uh, it might be interesting from reading from a historical perspective, uh, and, and maybe it will cause uh, some possibility of changes that need to take place. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, I study history. I love history, uh, especially history about America. But uh, I, I'm more concerned about what's going on today and what are we? Right. what can we do to make America better today right. and make it a better right. country. Well, well, me too. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to – you know, I want to I want to speak on that as well. You know, obviously, I you know, you, you, we can't change the past. We have to, you know, focus on the present. But at the same time, I'm sick of the American government lying to lying to us so many times. In the, and I know they have. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been, and you know, it's it's been proven yes. that you know they hide they hide stuff from us. They fabricate documents. They they put they put stuff together that you know isn't real, and they try to present it to us like we're stupid and you know it's it's all of these different things added up and um it's scary it's it's really scary um you know with 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 this whole uh the way it's uh we've been lied to on certain things because you know we can't and the way now a a new report out came today and you're going to want to talk about this too dan and so will you john uh, the Democrats are now um, demanding they want to put together a bill uh, for to get government permission to buy a gun. How scary is that? That's communism. That's the same That's sort of uh, you know narrative. That's the same sort of narrative as what Hitler went off of, or or anybody else that's in a communist regime asking the government permission to buy a firearm. No, that's outrageous. Uh, yeah. John, Dan's raising. I'm sorry. Don't let me interrupt. I apologize. No, I just wanted to say real think, quick. Hitler's Hitler's choice of said he the success to dominate the people is to take away two things: guns and health care. Yep. Wow. You take those two wow. things. You get control of those two things. You control a nation's population: guns and health care. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then. Food supply, that's what the communist game plan was. They starved the people out. Um, You know, Dan's asking some very provocative questions. And and I, Rory, I really like what you had to say about the, uh, in response, uh, the importance of government lying to us. And, And I would argue this. Of course, we always want to be focused on the present. But to me, if we don't get and unlock some of the answers to the past about past cover-ups. Um, I don't think we will have uh, safety and freedom and self-determination that's preserved in the present. Let me explain. 
we, to me, and of course I'm just one that believes that it's very apparent that there was a conspiracy to kill President Kennedy. The evidence is totally overwhelming. And uh, yeah. if you don't think, if you don't believe me, just watch the debate between that apologist for the Warren Commission when he debates Roger Stone. Um, yeah. But the problem is the people that were involved in the murder of President Kennedy never were held accountable. And they, no. some of these same people continue in power with a feeling that they are above the law, that they can buy, that they can trample on the law and on the rights of the people with impunity. And the message is, and the reality is, that there are certain people that are above the law. I'm one that says, I think we do need to unlock uh, the secret or or the the unresolved crimes and the uh, puzzles of uh, of the past so that we can get the truth out on the table that the wrongdoers can be held accountable, and so that we can send a message that in that ours is a government of laws and not of men, and that no matter who you are, if you are a principal to murder, or stealing or theft, yep. or yeah. financial fraud, you will be held accountable. And and I will say that Thanks. you know I, I think we can say a couple things with assurance. Um, that yes. we, the government, did lie to us about the, pre- the murder of President Kennedy, and of course. I think we can, and I think we can clearly say the government surely has not told us the whole truth about 9/11. Uh, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. A, you're right. Within a day or two, and I mean, and I, this is one of the reasons I really respect President Trump. Within a day yes. or two of the attack on the World Trade Center, guess who it was? That raised the issue and said, "There's no way these aluminum planes going into concrete and steel." Girders. President He's Trump a said it. He's a he builder. There's yep. no way. And I think, I think, Rory, that was within. It might have been on 9/11, or it, was, it might have been after. the day. Of, it might have been the day of, or the next day. It was like right away, though. Yes, and um, it, shoot, I think yeah. we, I think we do need to tell the truth and. And hey, we got plenty of reason to appoint special prosecutors, but not to yeah. uh, not to find out who hacked Hillary Clinton's uh, server when the best piece of right. evidence in that investigation, right. the place you should start, would be the, the right. server. Where is Mueller? Yeah. You know why is it Mueller hiring the world's best forensic digital experts? To examine Hillary's computer equipment to find out who it was that hacked it, because he has no he has no concern about what really happened. It's all a charade right. to take out any premise of independent government in America. That's right. my and, and, let, and yeah, yeah, and uh, you know we do have a few minutes left. Uh, I'm, I want to get to you, Josh, and then uh, Maria. I know you have a question, um, but hold on one sec. Uh, and it also was announced today uh, or yesterday that Rod Rosenstein is leaving the Justice Department in a couple weeks So uh, when William Barr comes in. So, you know, draining the swamp. I mean, uh, let me ask you, you know, you writing this Mueller book, do you think there was any specific sketchy reason why Rosenstein is rushing out of there? You know, I don't know the inside. Y'all help me out on that. I'm glad he's leaving, but y'all help me with why. 
I I'm I'm still you know I'm still trying to figure certain things out about that. Um, but I, I Maria, I know you had a question uh, for um, John about uh, the the Corsi thing. You had a question. Yeah, the Mueller book. Yeah, I'm really excited about the Mueller book. I think he's really fascinating, Robert Swan Mueller. Um, and, you know, I was wondering if he was scared because Jerome Corsi wrote a book, and look what happened to him. And there's also a journalist who was exposing the stroke text who wound up dead. And I'm like, you know, are you scared? Well, listen, we're Christians. And I wrote this book because I felt like this is what the Lord was showing me to do. So we believe in the power of God. And, um, you know, we believe that, that uh, you know, that God is still in control. And I've been really blessed to have so many people praying for us. Uh, and, um, you know, and the book's out what there. Has, what, and, has uh, the backlash, what has the backlash been like, John? Have you gotten any a lot of backlash? No, not really. Um, no, uh, you know the the, the and, and this is what I say about the book, Rory and, and Dan and, and Marie and Josh, is the heroes in the book are certainly not the author. The heroes right. are the people that went out and dug up the facts. That would be the independent researchers and writers and federal agents, right. many federal agents. And whistleblowers yeah. and soldiers and veterans and cops and families of 9-11 victims, they went out yeah. and they dug this information up. And we, of course, we tried to assemble it and connect, connect the dots. But, you know, there's many, many heroes. Uh, and, and, again, I emphasize, we, we criticize the federal intelligence agencies because they're dominated by the deep state and they've become corrupt. And, and, and that is true. But it's also true that there are many thousands of federal agents out there that are heroes, that are right. patriots, patriots, and are truth right. warriors. Right, absolutely. Uh, we do have to run here uh, in the next couple minutes, but Josh, I know you have uh, some final thoughts. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, honestly, final thoughts are real short. Thank you, Rory. You know, I, I didn't get the opportunity earlier, but I want to thank you for writing this book because, you know, like we were talking about how the there's some people that are you know noticeably nameless who our enemies are, but it's books like this that help to make those people less nameless and put them into the light. So uh, I thank you oh, wow. for that. Thank you, Josh. A- absolutely, and John, you know um, it's really it's really been an honor having you on here. And please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, uh, Josh, the uh, the book is. At robertmuellerarrandboy.com. That's robertmuellerarrandboy.com. That's where uh, people can access the book Robert Mueller Aaron Boy for the New World Order. And I, I thank you so much, Josh, uh, uh, Josh, for being uh, having this conversation with us. And Marie and Dan and Rory, thank you so much for allowing me. Uh, y'all are teaching yeah. me a lot. A- absolutely, no and. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, Marie, you have any final questions? We do got to go, but any final questions for John? Yeah, yeah. I just want to know more about his book, if he could just quickly um, talk about it. We do. Yeah, Sure, he was involved in cover-ups of, uh, of Whitey Bulger, the Pan Am 103 explosion, 9-11, the anthrax investigation, 
He advocated for a, a surveillance state where the government spies on the people. Um, so he's got 30 years of cover-ups under his belt. Wow. Starting with yeah, Vietnam, pretty, you pretty, pretty impressive stuff, I'll tell you. And so what I do want to say, um, John, thank you for coming on. We will get you back Thanks, um, here shortly in the next couple weeks. Um, and, yeah, man, God bless you. Thank you all. God bless. Uh, Josh, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, please follow me on my Instagram at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V as in Victor, A-T-Y. Excellent. And everybody, um, you can visit uh, com. Visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Also visit our new media site that we recently launched, TheNextGenUSA.com. Again, that's TheNextGenUSA.com. I want to thank all our sponsors. I want to thank all our special guests. I want to thank our audience. I want to thank our amazing co-hosts. We've had a great show tonight. So much topics addressed. Um, It's been fascinating. And we are now downloadable in 19 countries. Uh, We're we're on 50 different platforms online. You'll find us all over the Internet. Um, And we can't wait to be back with you next week. We have a large lineup of guests and uh, very excited. So everybody have a great weekend, and I will – See you all next week. Cheers, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.